Welcome to the Faith Lighthouse Church message of the week. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mylighthouse.church. Well, if you have your Bibles today, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. That's where we're going to be spending some time today. Uh, If you weren't with us last week, we started this new series uh, on the book of Nehemiah, uh, Rise and Build. And and we looked at uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 last week. And and, and, and I'm so thankful that we have God's word, that we can go back and, and see some amazing stories and be inspired and be encouraged and be challenged. And I want to encourage you that perhaps maybe through the, the rest of the month of September, that, that in your, maybe in your Bible reading, that you read Ezra and Nehemiah together because they are very similar. At one point in time, Ezra and Nehemiah were actually one book. And so maybe through the, the rest of September, you read through Ezra and Nehemiah and be challenged and be encouraged as we go through this study. For our focus, we're going to be focusing just specifically on the book of Nehemiah, and it's an opportunity for us to be challenged in our walk with God, and I hope that you're ultimately encouraged. Now, just briefly, last week we saw that that Nehemiah was upset. Nehemiah received news that the walls in Jerusalem were still in shambles, that the gates were still burned down, that, that, that while he had heard, and now again, the Israelites, the Jews are in exile, and, and Nehemiah had heard news that, that the city is being rebuilt, and he was hoping to hear a good report, but the report he got back were the walls were still in shambles, and the gates were burned down, and, and it broke his heart. He was devastated by this news, and, and immediately he went into a time of prayer and fasting, And he went into a time of repentance and confession for his sins and the sins of others. Because he was hoping to hear good news. He was hoping to hear that the city was being revived and and everything was was going to be going well and it wasn't. And, And we all have been in situations where we hear news and it just takes us back and it breaks our hearts. And, and that's how he responded to the news was he mourned over the news of, of what had happened in Jerusalem. And so now we pick up the story of what happens next. How after he prayed and after he fasted and his confessions what takes place. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 2 starting at verse 1. In the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes when wine was brought before him. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I said... I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? What's wrong with your face, Nehemiah? That's Matt's translation of the Bible right there. This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? And its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. The Bible is full of some fascinating stories. The Bible is is full of stories that as we flip through the pages, they absolutely just grip us and and, and you just can't stop reading. You want more information. That that as you flip through the pages and story after story, it's just sometimes you just stand in amazement. There are other stories that that we can 
we can kind of gloss over. That when we go through our Bible reading and we go through things, we, we, we find that there's some subtleties that maybe we didn't see at the beginning. And I think that this is one of the stories that has some subtleties that maybe not jump out at the page when we read it. And so I want to take a look at some of these this morning. Maybe you, you caught these as we were reading it, but, but I want to look at a couple of these things. And, and verse 2 really stands out. And, and as I kind of joked a little bit about it, the king is basically saying, Nehemiah, what's wrong with your face? What, what's wrong with you? Why are you sad? Now, I'm sure we've probably all been in a situation like this where somebody, somebody looks at you and says, wow, you, you must have had a rough week. <laughs> Is there a sign on me? Did somebody put something on my back? Like, they're, they're basically saying, by our appearance, you look pretty rough. Thanks for the encouragement. I, I appreciate it. Or, or, have you been getting a lot of sleep lately? Basically, what they're saying is, what's wrong with your face? Thank you. I, I have a mirror. I look in it. I know. Thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. And, and so, so Nehemiah is in the presence of the king. And, and the king sees Nehemiah and knows something's wrong with him. Now, again, I, I make a little fun with that today. But obviously, Nehemiah was upset. It, the, the news, and we saw this last week in chapter 1, that, that Nehemiah was mourning over the news. It saddened him to hear that his city, where he talks about where my ancestors are buried, is in shambles, that the walls are in shambles and the gates have been burned. It meant a lot to him, that this issue meant a lot to him. And when things are important to us and they don't go the way that we want or the way that we anticipate, it breaks our heart. That we're going to show it. We're going to show emotions that, that we're going to be sad. Or even on the flip side of that, that we're going to be happy. And people can tell when we're happy, when we're, up, when we're upset, or when things are not going our, our way. Things that are important to us or bother us. In the case of Nehemiah, people can often read us. But how often do we try and cover it up? How often do the things that bother us, do we try and co cover up? And I believe as Christians... We have perfected this. That, that we can come to church on a week-in, week-out basis, and we can tell everybody we're fine. We can shake somebody's hand, and, and how's every, oh, everything's great, everything's wonderful. That, that, that we, we kind of put on the mask, and everything is fine, but there are things that are going on inside. Things that nobody knows about, or very few people realize. That we are very good as Christians at being unauthentic. But I believe, and we can pull from this, is that we need to be authentic. We need to be who we are. There's a story of a mime who um, was, was living in a town, and, and he was making a good living just being a street performer. Well, the people kind of grew tired of his act, and, and he wasn't making any money. So, uh, so he happened to go to, uh, to the zoo, and, and, and he found out from the zookeeper that the ape had just died. And, and the zookeeper didn't know what to do, that they were getting another ape from another zoo, but he didn't want to, to, to be any time in between they had the, the ape that passed away and the new one. And so he came up with this idea, and he asked the mime, would you like to dress up like an ape and live in the ape habitat? Well, the mime not having any income, he said, sure, sign me up. Where do, you know, I'll be here tomorrow. So he goes, and, and the zookeeper gives him this ape costume. And so he lives in this ape environment at the zoo, and he is just hamming it up. I mean, he's doing his greatest ape impression ever, and people are flocking to him. Every day, more and more people are coming, and, and the zookeeper is just ecstatic because more and more people are coming to the zoo, and he keeps giving him a raise. Every day, he gives him more money. Well, a couple weeks go by, and people kind of got tired of his act. And so the zookeeper said, well, we've got to do something. We've got to get more people here. So the mime said, okay, I've got an idea. 
So the next day, dressed up in his ape suit, he realized that he was next to the lion environment. So he says, I'm going to do something. So he starts taunting the lion. And so every day he goes up to the lion encounter and, and starts swinging and jumping all over the place, trying to get the lion all riled up. And of course, the lion does. The lion tries to pounce on this ape, but he can't get to him. So the people are really excited. So the mime had to up his game. So he said, I've got another idea. So he climbs on top over his environment to where the lion is. And he said, this is really going to get the people here. And so he starts swinging from the trees to get the lion all riled up. And sure enough, the lion is ready to pounce. And everybody is flocking to see what's going on. Well, he got a little overzealous, did our mime. And swinging from the branch, he falls down into the lion environment. The lion is ready to pounce. He looks up and he sees the lion at a distance, gathering himself up, ready to pounce. The mime, not knowing what to do, gets up and starts running. Help, help, help. The lion comes behind, pounces on top of him. Now here is our mime, dressed up in his ape costume. The lion on top of him, ready to devour him when he hears, Be quiet, you idiot. We're going to lose our jobs. Authenticity is the courage to be yourself. Authenticity is the courage to be yourself. Sometimes as believers, as human beings, we choose not to display our true self. That we put on a mask, we put on a costume. We choose to be inauthentic. When truly being authentic is having the courage to be yourself. Nehemiah was with the king. Now, Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, so Nehemiah had a good relationship with the king. He could not hide what was going on. You know there are people in your life that if something's wrong, they know it. They immediately say, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. No, something's wrong, tell me. What it, it may be your spouse, it may be a family member, but they know when something's wrong. The king and Nehemiah had a close relationship. There is no way that Nehemiah was going to be able to hide his, his heart and what was on his heart. He didn't hide the fact that something was bothering. He, he didn't try to, to, no, 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 nothing's fine. He, he was real with the king. Yes, there, I can't hide it. This is what's going on. My heart is breaking. We don't always have to pretend everything is okay. There are a lot of uh, great songs on Christian radio, to now, uh, radio today, I, just song after song after song. There are a couple songs in particular that have really caught my ear, and, and, and a couple of them have to deal with saying it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Because I believe for a time we felt like because believers, we have to say everything's okay. Every, because if I don't, that means I don't have faith in God or, or I'm lacking faith or whatever. So I have to put on this mask. I, I have to pretend that everything is okay. It's okay to be real with people. It doesn't mean that you have to share everybody or share all of your, your news with everybody. But there are certain people in your life that you need to be real with. And I hope that as a part of this church environment, this church family, our tribe, that there are people within this church you can be real with. To share, yes, there are things going on in my life. I'm not okay. Be willing to, to be authentic with others. Nehemiah was authentic with the king, and we need to do the same. The other thing I see here is that Nehemiah had courage. That we need to have more courage in our, in our lives, in our walk with God. Nehemiah was real with the king. He told him what was on his heart. Something was bothering him, and he shared it with the king. But it ultimately took courage to share this. 
He could have easily said, no, I'm not going to. Having this relationship with the king, being the king's cupbearer, sharing this news, he didn't know how the king was going to respond to it. He didn't know what the king was going to think about him. All of these things. There, It was a genuine risk for Nehemiah to share the situation with the king of what was happening in his hometown. When we take a risk in life, it often means that we need to overcome fear. When we take a risk in life, it often means that we have to overcome fear. Time and time again, we see through scriptures that, that God uses ordinary people like you and me to do amazing things. And, 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 and we get inspired by them. And, and, and God, if I were only like them, if I only had the faith, if I only had the courage that they did, if only you could use me, if I was like them, they're ordinary people just like you and I. Nehemiah was a man. He was not special. He was not the son of God. He was a man. But God used him. He wasn't a slave to fear. He lived boldly and courageously. Having courage means being afraid but acting anyway. We can often buy into the belief that just because we see someone acting courageously that they didn't have fear. That you can hear stories and, and even just going through the Bible... Not even just stories in the world, but just going through biblical stories that they must, they're so courageous that they must not have any fear. Then we buy into the idea, well, because I have fear, I must not be courageous. So then I don't act. They have, Nehemiah was courageous. Nehemiah has a gene that I don't have. Because I'm fearful, that means God can't use me. Because I'm fearful, that means that I have to stay right here. But I want that. I want to be courageous. Often, we don't hear the backstory. We don't hear the struggle that they went through to where they finally acted. When we hear these stories, we never hear somebody say that they were afraid or they were worried. Most of the stories just talk about the bravery and we hear the end result of it. But fear is a universal emotion. We all know what it's like to be afraid. We all know what it's like to have that, that, how do I overcome this? How do I get past this fear? If I do this, I don't know the end result. I don't know what, I, I just don't know. And so fear keeps us frozen. But we have to understand that fear is just a hurdle we have to jump over. Nehemiah is no different than you are. Look what he says in verse 2. In verse 2, he says, I was afraid. He was fearful. But he still followed through. Nehemiah admitted everything that we go through. When there's a decision, something that we've got to do, that there is fear. That fear can often keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Nehemiah was no different than you or I. He felt afraid. He didn't know by telling the king what was going to be the result. He didn't know if this would damage the relationship. He didn't know if the king would say no. He had no idea. But he admitted he was afraid. But he wanted to do something for God. When is the last time that you did something that took courage? Better yet, when is the last time you did something that took courage for God, for the kingdom of heaven? I believe as Christ followers that we need to take some more risks. We need to have courage 
to do things that God has called us to do. We've got to get over the hurdle of fear. You know, there are many times that, that, that I'm just going to use this as, a, as an example, but we, this, this chair represents the hurdle that we have to get through, that we see that God has called us to do something on the other side, but this is my only way to get there. There is no way I can, there, trust me, there is no way I can get over this chair right now. I can't do it. But with God's help, he can help me get over this chair. He can help me get over this hurdle. If I had different pants on, I would do it, I promise. It would be a great visual, but it's not going to happen this morning. Or how about we turn it into this? When it's this way, my pants won't allow me to do it. When it's this way, I can't get over this hurdle. But if I turn it this way and say, God, I'm just going to change things around. Now I'm going to go this way. That obstacle is now not in the way. The thing that I thought could keep me from doing it is no longer the obstacle I thought. That I, I just had to take courage and take a risk that I was going to bust my face on this whole platform in front of everybody to see. This was not prepared, I promise you. <laughs> that was, that was, I was afraid in that moment. But I had courage to do it anyway. Because I believe in this message so much. I believe God has placed this on my heart for us as a church, as believers, to do something for God. To have courage to go beyond what we see. To get over our fears and do something for the kingdom of God. Nehemiah took a step. He had courage. He was authentic. He prayed to God. He fasted. He prayed. He mourned over the news. But in that moment, look what else he did in verse 4. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. In that moment... He had already spent months praying and fasting. He's before the king. He's taken a step of faith. He's gathered up the courage and he prays. This wasn't a, sorry, excuse me, King Artaxerxes. I need to go to my prayer closet. Let me pray for a few minutes and I'll come back to you. In that moment, he prayed, God, give me wisdom. God, give me the words. I don't know exactly, but it says he prayed and then I answered the king. When we pray, it's not a matter of just spending time before we pray. This wasn't a long prayer. This wasn't an exhaustive prayer. It was in that moment, God, I need you. God, I need you to help me in this moment. This isn't I need to think about it. I need to spend weeks and months on it. This is in this moment I've got to pray. If we desire to be a, a force of hope for God, to be a, a, a force of love into this world, then we need to pray consistently before we step out, as we step out, and after we step out. Prayer has got to be the constant in everything that we do. That we pray beforehand, that we pray during, and we pray after. That shows our dependency on God and not on ourselves. But we often do not prayer because we're focused on ourselves. And we're focused on our own strength and our own power and our own abilities. The last thing, number three this morning, is that he was focused on the cause. He was authentic he had courage, and he focused on the cause. When God calls us to do something, we have to keep the, the end goal in mind. If we're going to come overcome our fear, what is the end goal? My end goal for this little example was for you to get what God is saying today. A little silly example as that. That's the end goal. I want you to get it. I want you to hear what is God calling you to do? What has God called you? What is on your heart to do for God's kingdom? What are you going to be courageous for? Nehemiah was focused on rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem to restore it to its glory, to restore it to its beauty. That was his end goal. 
When we let fear stand in the way and we know something needs to change, something needs to be done, something's got to happen, we have to keep that end goal in mind. But we often feel the task is just too daunting or it just simply can't be done. In, in the back lobby, you've probably seen the display we have for Operation Christmas Child. Truly is one of the, the, one of the most favorite things that, that we do as a church every year. I absolutely love it. That we get to fill shoeboxes full of, of just little items that get shipped all around the world. Last year, we tracked our boxes that we sent, and we filled up, and they went to Africa. The year before that, they went to India. All around the world. Truly is amazing. But I guarantee you, somewhere along the line, when they first started this, somebody said, can't be done. There is no way that we can gather enough people to fill up a shoebox full of toys and send them around the world. There, it's just it's too daunting. How are we going to coordinate all this? There's too much governmental red tape. There's too much, it's going to cost too much. And then how are we going to get it there? We need people. There is no way. But they didn't stop. They said, there is a need. We're going to meet it no matter what. They had courage to overcome what the obstacles were. Somebody is always doing what somebody else said couldn't be done. Let me say that again because I didn't hear 100% consensus on that. Somebody is always doing what somebody else said couldn't be done. At some point in time, somebody said, that can't be done. And somebody else said, nope, it can be done. Just watch. How many people realize the walls need to be rebuilt, the gates need to be restored, but said it's too daunting of a task. It can't be done. How many people walked by those gates and, went, and they were sad seeing them in such terrible shape, but they didn't do anything? Nehemiah didn't let it stop him. If we were people that became and, and who dared to think the unthinkable, to believe the unbelievable, to be known as people naive enough to believe what this word says and who God is, then we would act and we would be bold and courageous for the kingdom of God. I'm convinced our problem is, is not the size of the problem. Our problem is our limited view of God. It's not the size of the problem. It's our limited view of who God is. If we will right-size our God, it'll right-size our problems. If we will right-size God, get God out of the box that we've got him contained in, I guarantee you we will move heaven and earth and we will see heaven and earth here on earth. We will see God's kingdom advance when we right-size our problems that there is nothing that can stop us when God calls his people to do something. We limit ourselves. We as children of God limit what God has called us to do because we do not have a proper view and perspective of who God is. If God has placed something on your heart, if God placed something on your heart to send shoeboxes to kids around the world, then by God it's going to happen. We've got to right-size our problems to have a right-size of God. We can be used by God to change the world. We can bring love to this world. But we've got to be willing to be courageous. We need to be authentic. We need to be real. We've got to rely on God now more than ever. There comes a point then we have to act. Nehemiah was real with God. He prayed. He sought God's face. He was courageous. He acted. He moved. He did what God called him to do. 
when he asked the king, he had no idea what was going to happen. He was afraid. He didn't know the end result. And then the king says, yes, I grant you whatever you ask. What? (laughs) Okay, great. But he didn't bask in that moment. He didn't stop right there. Whew, it's done. I asked the king. He said, yes, wash my hands, I'm done. Now somebody else do it. No, now it's time to get to work. Now it's time to gather the resources. Now it's time to do... Oftentimes, we seek God, we want God to move, and then we step out, and and we're courageous, and we do all that, and God opens the doors, and then we stop. We've got to keep going. There's work that has to be done. We can't just sit back and bask in the glory of the answer of yes, but we've got to move. Nehemiah was allowed by the king. The king granted his request, and then Nehemiah acted. He moved that there has to be a part that we have to play. We have to be bold and courageous, and then we have to keep moving and working forward. We can't just sit back and settle where we are. Three years ago, I was voted in as as pastor of the church. In that moment, in the months leading up to it, I had people ask me, what in the world are you doing? Why are you going back to the church you grew up in to do what seems like an impossible thing. That the, the church had a number of challenges for a variety of reasons. That, that it was, we were limited in so many ways. We were limited in finances. We were limited in, in people and, and so many things. And, and why are you doing this? It makes no sense. Because God's placed it on my heart. Because I see something bigger. I see what God wants to do. Yes, it may not. And, and, and here's the thing is that, that now that we've seen and look back on three years that God has moved, that we have uh, ability to, to, to do ministry. We've got people that, that we didn't have before. And I'm so thankful for all that God has done. But now's not the time to sit back and bask in his glory and say, but now it's the time to keep moving. That we don't just sit still. God, thank you for answering our prayers. We prayed. So those of you that were here, when there was 20 of us here, that we were praying and saying, God, we're believing for more. We're believing for more. And, and God has brought the increase. God has brought more. That we, we're, we're building a church in India for crying out loud. That was impossible three years ago. We had barely just enough money to keep the lights on. Now we've got more and above that we're sending money to build a church in India. Come on. That's exciting. That's worth saying, God, you're moving. God, you're doing something. But now is not the time to rest and just bask in the glory and say, everything's okay. Now's the time to keep moving forward. That I want to build five churches in India. I want to expand what you've called us to do in our community, in our city. That we've got to be bold. We've got to be courageous. It means doing things that people say, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. God's called us to do it. As a church, we have to have that prayer. As a church, that's our desire. But individually, as believers, what is God calling you to do? There's a need that you see. There is something that God has stirred on your heart. But you may have a hurdle, a fear that you've got to get over. All across the room, if you would close your eyes and bow your heads today. I often close service this way by asking this question. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And I ask it again this morning. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? Is there something that you've been afraid of? There's been a stirring in your heart. But you just don't know if you step how it's going to end. You don't know if having that conversation with your boss, how it's going to go. You don't know having that conversation with 
with that person how it's going to go. Maybe God's called you to do something, that you've got something to, to, to help others, but you're afraid. God, I don't know how, the, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. If I do this, how are you going to make ends meet? If I do this, what, what are going to be the possible ramifications? If I do this, if I do that, and fear has gripped you so much that you're not moving. If that's where you are today, then I would just encourage you to put those things aside and just trust God that he's going to work it out. That as we come together and we sing and we worship, it's not just meaningless songs. It's what we believe. It's who God is. That if God is calling you, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. If God has stirred something in your heart, just like Operation Christmas Child, that, that somebody had a dream years ago to send shoeboxes around the world, they overcame the fear and the struggle and the adversities. I don't know what God's placed on your heart, but don't let fear keep you from moving to go out and do something, to better yourself. Maybe it's to, to, to go back to school and you're like, I'm too old, I can't, don't let anything, if God has put something on your heart, go after it. I'm not gonna let fear keep me staying still. I'm gonna move forward, I'm gonna be courageous. Or, or maybe it's just simply to, to share the love of Jesus. That God has put somebody on your heart and you're just, I don't know, if I, if I tell them about God, if I, if I tell them about the Bible, they're just going to shut me down. That They're going to think about me differently. It doesn't matter. Have holy boldness to share the love of Christ with those you come in contact with. Maybe there's a ministry that God has put on your heart. Well, I don't know if I do this. Maybe people will think that I want this. Or, or if, I, if God is stirring something, don't let fear keep you from the unknown or maybe you're just going I don't know how it's going to work out this seems to be too big church there is nothing too big for God whatever is on your heart it is not too big for God if he has placed it on your heart it's there for a reason three years ago God placed on my heart to come back to the church I grew up in when everybody said it doesn't make sense it's not going to work I said my God's bigger than that We've achieved a lot of things in three years, but there's so much more. There's things God has done in your life, but there's so much more. God, right now, I pray for every person as you've searched our hearts. Stir our hearts to be bold for you, to be crazy for you, to be naive enough to believe what your word says and act on it. That if you call us in the middle of the grocery store to go pray for somebody, we go do it to be bold, to be courageous, to be a force of hope, a force of love, a force of good in our community and our world. May that be our heart's desire, to have a heart like Nehemiah, that he admitted he was afraid, but he went before you. He went and did the things you had called him to do. God, may we look back on this day, September 15th, 2019, that's the day I got my holy boldness. That's the day I acted courageously. That's the day I got a right-sized view of God. All across the room, if you would stand.
get a hold of this church. Grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of what God's speaking to us right now. God, use us. God, we stand in your presence today. God, I ask you to use us. Let nothing stop stop us from accomplishing your will and your perfect plan for our lives. God, I pray for individuals here today that you have stirred, you have impressed something on their hearts. May they go after it with boldness. God, I pray for us as a church that we would stand united together, not worried about what anybody says or what anybody thinks, but that we accomplish your purpose that we have a right-sized view of who you are, that we do not limit you, that we're not afraid because it costs this amount of money. We're not afraid because we need this many people. We're not limited by the, the size and scope of our church building. We're not limited by anything because you are unlimited. You are infinite, and that's the God that we serve. That's the God who has called us to be something of good, of great force into this world and our community. Use us, God, to be a force of hope in this world. May we come overcome every fear, every obstacle that's in our way. Not by our own strength, but by the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. That we not lean on ourselves, but lean on you. That we would be unified as a body. That we would be unified as a church to accomplish your good and perfect will. May we be bold for you and have the courage to overcome any obstacle that is in our way. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus and everyone says amen and amen. If you can't tell, I'm excited. If you can't tell, I'm believing God for great things and I hope you are too. Just, I, I just, it's been an amazing three years but there's so many more great years and more many things that are ahead for this church and for this ministry. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you've enjoyed this teaching, would you consider a gift to support the ministry of FLC? Visit mylighthouse.church forward slash give. Faith Lighthouse Church is located at 3409 Paul Buckman Highway in Plant City, Florida. Our weekly worship services are held on Sundays at 11 a.m. We also have various life groups and programs for all ages that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing in Plant City.